The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. Blessings. I'm excited to get into the Word of God this morning, this afternoon, or this evening, whatever time it is that you're watching, and I'm trusting that God's going to do something great in our lives together. I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Father, we bless your name. We thank you for your goodness and your favor. We thank you for your loving kindness. We rejoice that you're near to us, even though we're apart from one another. And we ask in Jesus' name that you would reveal to us that you would uncover ways that we can come together, that we can love one another, that we can abide in your word and in your presence, even in these times. We bless your name and we ask, Father, for continued protection for all people. We thank you for those who are serving tirelessly to protect us and keep us safe, and we rejoice in your hand and the angelic protection that you've promised and released over our lives. We give you thanks, and we rejoice in your continued favor in our lives, and we ask that as we receive your word this morning, that we would be blessed, enriched, and equipped to continue in our lives, loving one another and abiding in your presence. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. As we get into the word this morning, I want to encourage you to uh, take time to visit the passages of scripture that we mention. I want to encourage you to take down some notes. You can write a few things down if you like. Uh, I want to look at a few things that we're going to see as we move through the scripture together this morning. Uh, a few of these things are important to me. They stood out in the, the passages as we prepared the message, and I think that they'll prove to be important to you as well. Uh, the first thing we're going to find as we get into the Word is what happens when we love. Now, love is important. We have a call to love. You're going to see it in the Scripture as we read here, a priority and a purpose to love. Not just to love God, but to love one another. We're also going to find out why the devil tempts us to sin. Now, it's important for us to understand this so that we can understand what's going on in our lives and through our lives as we live out our lives called as believers, walking in the Word of God and accomplishing the will of God. A third thing that we're going to find is why the Word of God is so important. I mean, oftentimes we've been instructed and told to read the Scripture, to memorize Scripture, to uh, read our Bibles and spend time in the Word. We're going to find out why that's so important. I want to get into the Word. We've been in a series. We're going to come to the conclusion of that series today. Uh, we've been speaking about love. I want to talk about uh, what happens when we love, when we fulfill our call to love one another and walk in the Word of God. If you have your Bible there, I want to ask you to turn to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 7 through 12. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And by this, God showed his love. He manifested in us that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, we love, as we've been called to, God sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I want to look at that passage of scripture and I want to identify a number of promises that are revealed in that short passage. 
I mentioned before we're going to find out what happens when we love, and I believe we see a number of things here in 1 John that are revealed to us. We see that everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Now, what we engage here in the Word is this truth that's being revealed to us that loving one another is is an identification of one who has been born again or one who knows God. And one who's been born again or one who knows God walks in a wonderful and fantastic promise. You'll find it in John chapter 3, verse 3. The word reads like this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. In order for us to see the kingdom of God in any situation or any circumstance, we've got to be a people committed to loving one another. Another promise you can find in the scripture from the gospel of John chapter 17 verse 3 would be eternal life, that promise of abundant life as Jesus would reveal to us. The passage in John 17 3 reads like this, this is eternal life, that they would know you, the only true God and the Christ whom you've sent. Now as we come into the passage of scripture here, we're understanding that loving is the key to knowing God. And knowing God is the key to eternal life. So we see these wonderful promises, the kingdom of God, eternal life, and it doesn't stop there, there's more. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 reveals another wonderful benefit to walking in the love of God. It reads as follows, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Not that it is just stronger than fear, but it is such a powerful force that it leaves no room for fear to operate, to abide, or to continue its deceiving work, to tempt for corrupt thinking and compromised action. So we can see as we read in the Scripture the importance to love one another. We can see as we read in the Scripture the importance of knowing God who is love, having His presence active in our lives, and the love that He's called us to receive and to have poured out through our lives pour out through our fellowship with one another. It's the key to the benefits of everlasting life, the key to seeing His kingdom active and powerful in our lives. It's the key to living a life free from anxiety and fear and all of the corruption that comes with those things. God's love is priority. Now through this series, we've been identifying what love is because love has become such a common word in our vocabulary. We use the word love to identify things that we strongly like or, or things that maybe are pleasing to us. I mean, I've joked a few times that I've declared my love for tacos before. But when we see in the word the definition of love, we can understand that love is a powerful force. It is the most powerful force, and it's made up of wonderful attributes. Now, we've gone to the scripture for our definition of love, and we've done it throughout the series, and we'll do it again. I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 4 through 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. The passage reads, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or does not envy. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly, nor does it seek its own. Love is not provoked. It doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And love never fails. Now, throughout this series, we've gone through all of these attributes with the understanding that love is always all of these things. 
Never just one or two of them, but always all of these things together. If you can't check off every one of these boxes, you're not operating in love. And it's important for us to understand that these are the things that make up love so that we can see to it that these are the things that make up our lives. That these are the things that can make up the words that we speak and the actions that we perform. That these are the things that can fill our prayer life. Father, fill me with patience. Protect me from being envious. Protect me from being arrogant. Protect me from the things that do not make up love. And fill me with the things that do. Now we've gone through this series and we've described all of these attributes. We've looked for their, the biblical content and the purpose and, and how to have them be a part of our lives. And we come today to the very end. In the beginning of verse 8 in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you see love never fails. I want to talk about that this morning. And I think it's timely that we speak of this now. I mean, we're in some very difficult days, days that I've never seen before. And, and many who are twice my age would say the same. You could live your entire life and never see what we're walking through today. It's unprecedented, the challenge and the difficulty that we're going through. But when we see a promise in the scripture like we see here in 1 Corinthians, that there is a source of power, a source of authority, that there is a source of, of provision that never fails, that's the source that we should turn to. And according to the passage of scripture we read here, that source is love. And I want to talk about love and its ability to bring success and never fail into all of our lives. I want to turn to the, the dictionary for a moment. I want to look up just a couple of words here. If love never fails, then I want to know what love never does. Let's look up the word fail. Love never fails. If you go to the dictionary and you look up the word fail, it gives you a very simple definition. To be unsuccessful. Well, we know that that's not the call that God's placed on your life. It's not the call that God's placed on my life. It's not the, God, the call that God has placed on any life of a believer. We've been called to, to go beyond the hardships and the difficulties and the trials. We've been blessed and anointed to be overcomers. Therefore, there's none of us who've ever been called to be unsuccessful or to fail. But we've all been called to operate in love, which promises to never fail, rather always produce the opposite. So if you look up the word fail and you see by definition it is to be unsuccessful, I want to find out what the, the opposite of that would mean. And if you go to the dictionary, you'll pull up the word success. And you'll find this as a definition. The accomplishment of one's aim or purpose. If love never fails, then we can be guaranteed and assured that love always succeeds. And by definition here, it means love always accomplishes what it was set out to do. Its aim or its purpose as you've been called and I've been called, as we have been anointed and blessed and equipped and released to do the work of God, we've been given an aim or a purpose. And to be driven by and fueled by love is to equip us with everything we need to see to it that the purpose that we've been set out to accomplish comes to pass. God's love is perfect, never failing and always bringing success. Now, I mentioned to you before that we were going to find a few things in the Word. One of those things was what happens when we love. We already covered that. The second thing was why the devil tempts us. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. It's an interesting thing to consider. We could easily just run right past it, but it's worth stopping and considering. I mean, I'm born again. Jesus took my place upon the cross. 
He shed his blood so that I could be uh, washed clean of all of my sin. According to the scripture, justified just as if I'd never sinned. I'm holy just like Jesus, all because of the power of the cross and the work of Jesus Christ. My sins are completely forgiven, completely atoned for, past, present, and future. So I have to ask myself, why in the world does the devil still tempt me to sin? If I'm born again and I'm washed by the blood of Jesus and my name's written in the Lamb's book of life and that's not going to stick on me, why would he waste his time trying to get me to sin? Why would he waste his time trying to get you to sin? I pause there just for a second, hopefully to let your wheels turn, let you think about that. Because I know for certain, even though I'm born again, even though all of my sins are forgiven, I can still face on a daily basis temptation to make corrupt decisions, to be selfish and self-seeking, to put myself first. I still face temptation, and I'm sure you do too. When you're standing in the aisle and it's the last... uh, Uh, item there that that everybody needs. These days, that's toilet paper. Now, if somebody watches this five years from now, they're going to think, what in the heck is that guy talking about? But it's relevant today, that's for sure. When you're standing there and you're tempted to put yourself first, why in the world is that happening? And then you can go beyond those silly examples and you can consider the, the lustful thoughts and the adulterous thoughts and the criminal thoughts and all of the thoughts that are corrupt that don't belong in the mind or the heart of the believer. Why in the world is Satan still sowing those seeds of separation, deceit, destruction, all of those seeds of sin? I want to look at the scripture here and I want you to consider this. Though we're born again, though every sin that we have ever committed, ever commit or ever will commit has been atoned for by the powerful blood of Jesus, the devil is still at work and this is why. We turn to the scripture and we see Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 24. I want you to see this in Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look specifically at verse 12. Jesus is speaking and he speaks of a time, a season, a season when sin is increased. It reads like this, because sin is increased, people's love will grow cold. Now, it's an interesting thing that he says, and he's talking about sin or lawlessness. And he says, as lawlessness or sin increases, there's a result, there's an effect. He's really revealing a a cause and an effect. The cause is the increase of sin. The effect is the love that is inside of us growing cold. Now, as we consider this passage of Scripture, I want us to think about that for a moment. The more that sin increases and abounds in our lives, the more it's allowed in our minds, the more it's allowed through our mouths, the more it's revealed through our actions, the more that sin increases, according to this passage of Scripture, love decreases. Jesus is saying as lawlessness increases, as sin increases, love grows cold. Think about that for a moment. And think about that with the understanding of what love is. The more sin increases, patience decreases. Envy increases. Bragging and arrogance increases. Uh, Unbecoming actions and unrighteous actions increase. Self-seeking increases. Provocation increases. 
Uh, taking into account wrong suffered, that means wanting to get revenge, increases. Rejoicing in unrighteousness and rejecting truth increases. People refuse to bear things together. They refuse to believe things together. They refuse to hope things together. They refuse to endure things together. And when sin increases and love decreases, success becomes hard to come by. And failure increases. I believe personally that Satan is constantly tempting me in order to bring me to a place where I leave the success that God brings into my life through love and by love growing cold in my heart and in my mind and in my life as sin increases, I step out of success and into hardship and failure. I think it's the temptation that faces our nation. I think it's a temptation that faces uh, the church. I think it is a temptation that faces us all individually, all with the same purpose. To step out from God's promised success and to step into a position of compromise that leads to failure. I want to look at keys to success, walking in success, and I want to look at a couple of these things. I mentioned to you before we're going to find why the Word of God is so important, and we're going to see that throughout this. We're going to come to a conclusion. But it's important for us to make God's words our words. If we're going to abide in love and we're going to walk in love and we're going to to live our lives according to that which never fails and that which brings success, we're going to have to make God's words our words. If we want to and we choose to and we desire to step into God's promised success, you're going to need to make God's words your words. I'll give you a passage of scripture here out of the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. It reads like this, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all of the law, which Moses, your servant, has commanded you to do. Do not turn from it uh, to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law will not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then You will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. I want to stop there for a second. Those two verses of Scripture out of Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, reveal two powerful elements of applying the Word of God to our lives and bringing success. I want to break those two things down. I mentioned making God's words your words. You see that in Joshua 1, 8, the back half of that passage that we just read. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. The word of God shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. To meditate means to ponder, to think, to consider. Give it space. I mean, many of us who have been shut in at our homes are tired of watching Netflix because we've already seen it all. And the the call that we have upon our lives is to make room for the word of God. Just make room for it. I mean, this isn't a call to to, uh, cut off everything else and only have the Word of God. Rather, it's a call to simply make space for the Word of God. And I want to call and encourage us as believers, as we have time on our hands, as we're we're, uh, embracing what our community is referring to as social distancing, use this as an opportunity, an opportunity to turn off the TV and an opportunity to open up the Word, that we could meditate on the Word, 
that we could ask God to let this scripture become active and alive and fulfilled in our lives, that his word could be a part of us, imparted to our mouth, never to depart from it, that we could think about it and make room for it, room in the day and room at night. And then there's a wonderful promise attached to this. You see the words, so that. It's almost like cause and effect. God, let this word not depart from my mouth. Let me meditate on it day and night so that, now here comes the effect, so that we will be careful to do according to what's written in it. If we don't keep the word of God in our mouth, if we don't put it in our mind, it becomes very difficult for us to take care and do what God's calling us to do. Any success in fulfilling the word of God is simply by accident or by chance or, or maybe we're kind of uh, uh, celebrated through association. You know, we're a part of a group or, or a body who's doing something and we kind of fall into line. But God hasn't called us to be successful accidentally. He's called us to be intentional about it and it's going to require asking God to place his word in our mouths And in our minds, that we could place his word in our minds through meditation, through thought, through making a place, giving time for his word to become a part of us. That effect that we could be careful to do what's written in it has a promise attached to it. You see this, God, let your word not depart from my mouth. Let me make room for it in my heart and in my mind through meditation so that I can be careful to do what you've called me to do And then, now here comes the ultimate result, the purpose for all of this. And then, our way will be prosperous. And then, you will have success. I mean, there where you're at in your home, wherever you're watching, whether it's on a device, a a computer, whatever, it feels a little odd to, to repeat words. But I think it's important to say these words. Then I will have success. Then I will have success. I can apply this to any aspect of my living. I can think about my marriage and no matter what I'm dealing with, no matter what challenge, no matter what problem, uh, no matter what we're facing, no matter how great the amount of, of hell that has entered in and attempting to destroy what God has deemed precious, I can sit and say, and then I will have success. You can fill in whatever blank before, no matter what the problem is, no matter what the challenge. Raising children. Raising children comes with tremendous challenges. But whatever the challenge is, you can say, and then I will have success. That end result, if we run it backwards, and then I will have success. All because I'm careful to do what's in God's Word. All because I've meditated on God's Word. I give it time to soak and saturate my thoughts and my heart. And it doesn't depart my mouth. I speak it. I say it. I repeat it. I confess it. All of these things are necessary for us to walk in that success that God's called us to. And I think it's amazing that as Jesus has has called us to success, as He's called us to a life that doesn't fail, as He's called us to walk and love one another, I think it's amazing that Jesus would give us this instruction throughout the Gospel. I mean, these are just a handful of places that you can see it in the Scripture. But you'll find it in the Gospel of John chapter 14. You'll find it in the Gospel of John chapter uh, uh, 15. You'll see him speaking throughout these chapters telling us that if we love, then we will keep his word. If you love, 
then you will keep his word. It's a wonderful thing to consider that Jesus associates love with the keeping of the word. And it makes sense to me that if love, which always brings success, love, which never fails, would yoke a believer to the word of God, which according to the call in Joshua, when applied to our mouth and applied to our mind and our heart through meditation, when lived out in our actions, results in success. For us to walk in that love and for us to have the success that God's called us to, it's important for us to make His words our words. Now, another key to success is making His words our works. Now, I say that kind of slowly because I want to make sure that it doesn't just get lost. I'm talking about your actions, the things that you do. That's the ultimate goal of putting God's word in your life putting it in your mouth, meditating on it, all so that you can live it out and do it. It's an important thing for us to consider this. I want to look at the first part of the passage out of Joshua that we read earlier, Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. It reads like this, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all that the Word says. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left. And then now the wonderful promise, so that you may have success wherever you go. I mean, it's another one that you can just say to yourself, so that I can have success wherever I go. And I love the wherever you go, because God is opening up to not be bound to any uh, uh, set of conditions. But no matter what we face, no matter what we deal with, no matter what the situation or the circumstance, no matter where we're at, no matter who we're with, we can see success. And that success is built in our lives upon doing the things that God tells us to do. And I think it's very important that we note how God is speaking here. When he opens up this word, this dialogue, it it comes with this call to be strong and to be courageous. We ought to make a note of that. We ought to see that as, as an important element that's not in there casually or by accident. But to live out a life where you're committed to doing what God calls you to do is going to require courage and strength. When God is calling us to do things that go against and are outside of what the culture says is relevant or what the culture says is is correct, we find ourselves in a position of being torn between either following after what God would instruct or following after what the world would instruct. It's going to require strength and courage to step outside of what the world would say and step into what God would say. Now that's a promise and it's a guarantee. No matter what, doing what God calls you to do is never going to be the easy thing to do. It's going to require strength and courage. It's going to require us to step outside of what the world sees as as wisdom and step into what the kingdom establishes as wisdom. And that wonderful promise that comes with doing the things that God calls us to do, when we walk in the courage and we walk in the strength to walk in the Word of God, we can walk in that promise that guarantees success. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here. I know I said earlier, you've got to make His words your works. And it might sound a little bit strange, but I want to look at one passage of Scripture. It means a great deal to me personally, and I think it will to you as well. Out of the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 10. 
Now, Jesus is speaking here, and he's leading up to this great promise. Now, many believers know this promise by heart because we quote it back and forth to one another. It's foundational in our hopes and in our pursuits of of ministry and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, active and powerful and flowing through our lives. He's leading up to the call, that the declaration that as we believe in him, the works that he does, we will do also in even greater works. But as he's leading up to this promise that we all stand upon and we all believe in and hope in and trust in, he reveals something that we ought to make note of. In John chapter 14, verse 10, Jesus is speaking, and as a part of his speech, he says these words. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Now, I pause there for a second on purpose. He's talking about words in the beginning. And in the end, he talks about works. He's talking about the words that he says, and he declares they're not his own words. He's not speaking what he thinks or what he feels, but rather he's speaking what God says. And in the process of speaking what God says, God abiding in him does his works. And when I said before that we need to make God's words our words in order to be successful, we went through the scripture to see that is true. I want us to look here and see what making God's words our works leads to. Jesus is identifying the works that he's performing in ministry and in in, uh, deliverance and in, in bringing the solution to the world's problems in powerful ways. Ways like no one's ever seen before. Ways like we're in desperate need of today. And he's, he's revealing that this work being released through him, this power being released through him, these works being performed by him are the works of the Father, and they're the works of the Father working through him as a result of his words, not being his own, but his words being the words that God would speak. There's tremendous power in the words that we speak. I want us to consider that for a moment. I mentioned before identifying why Satan would tempt, you know, and we talked about sin and, and, and sin's ability to make love grow cold, to, to the, make that power and the authority that promises and guarantees success to be diminished so that as sin increases, success is diminished. I want us to consider our words and how easily we are removed from speaking words of affirmation and, and words that build up. How easily we're drawn into speaking words of criticism and complaint and negativity. How easy we are to curse and slander and be removed from from blessing. And I want to give a call to, to all of us, myself included, a call to you personally, to consider the power of your words. Are my words my own or are my words what God would speak? I want to be like Jesus. You have a call to be just like Jesus. To have the Holy Spirit operate as a filter set over your mouth to see to it that the words that we speak to one another are not the words that we would say, rather they're the words that God would speak. That we could lay down our own desires, our own ambitions, that we could lay down our own anger and frustration, desire to vindicate, all of those things that are not love, and that we could allow love to have a voice. When we let love speak into a situation, we're bringing the words of God into that situation, which will bring about success. 
As we close, I want to offer this passage of Scripture to you. I mentioned before we're going to find why the Word of God is so important. I give you this passage of Scripture out of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. It reads like this. For as the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bear fruit and bring forth seed that it has been called to bring, so will my word which goes from my mouth. Now this is God speaking. So will my word which goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. It's a powerful passage of Scripture. And as we look at that passage of Scripture, we need to consider what it means, what, why God would reveal it to us, and what it means for us in our lives. First of all, it means everything God says is on purpose. Every single word that He says has a purpose. If when He speaks, it accomplishes the purpose for which He sent it, it means everything He speaks He's spoken on purpose. That it always brings about success means that it's love. If love never fails, but love always succeeds, and God is love, and God is His Word, then the words of God are going to be love. That means they're going to be filled with patience and kindness. That means they're not going to be spoken out of envy. It means they're not going to be arrogant. It means they're not going to be unrighteous. You can go through the list there out of 1 Corinthians. They are going to be love. And I love that it says that God sent them. He sent them. Now, on any given day, we send things to each other. We send text messages and emails and letters and other things. But when you consider that God is sending His Word, I want you to consider your part in that. If just like Joshua, you've been called to have his word in your mouth so that it can remain in your mouth and be revealed through your mouth and that you can meditate on it day and night so that you can do it and accomplish it and that you can live a life that is filled with success no matter what the situation or the circumstance, I want you to understand that when God is sending his word, he knows to whom he's sending it. He speaks to you and through you on purpose. He's chosen you to be a catalyst for His love. He's chosen you, He's chosen me to reveal to this world that which will always bring about success, that which will never fail. He's chosen us to reveal to this world Himself, love. And in the days that we're in today, I think there's no greater thing that we could be committed to than revealing to this world love. Love through our actions and our commitment to living out the Word of God. Love in our words that we would reveal through our speech who God is in every situation and in every circumstance that we would take on the call to be just like Jesus. To be able to say the words that I speak aren't my words, but I seek out and speak the words that the Father is speaking. And He who abides in me then does His works. I want us to be committed with our mouths to speak love. And I want us to anticipate a tremendous release of God's power through our actions that we would see love manifest.
I believe that it starts with our mouths. That we would pray together and seek that everything that he would speak in his word would be lived out through us. And I believe that we begin to see a change and an impact in our actions and in our activities as we commit to God's word abiding not only in us, but through us. I want to pray with you this morning, this afternoon, or this evening, whenever you're watching. And I want to trust that God will do something great by the presence of his spirit there with you. There where you're at, you can join with me. You're welcome to be in a state of agreement or, or simply a, a state of receiving. But I want to pray for us. Father, we bless your name and we thank you. We thank you for the richness of your word. We thank you for your perfect love. We rejoice in your presence. We thank you for the call that you've placed upon us to walk in success. And as we receive your word, we ask that there would be the appropriate surrender in each one of us, no matter where we're at. That we would repent of speaking our own words and doing our own uh, uh, initiative, that we would embrace what you would call us to speak. Let our ears be attentive to hear your word and our eyes be given to see what you're doing. Let us be just like Jesus in everything that we do. We desire to have your word abide in our mouths, that we might meditate on your word day and night. We desire these things so that we might be able to walk in and accomplish your word ourselves. And we give you thanks for the promise that comes, the promise of success, that not one of your children has been called to fail, but rather we have all been called to be equipped with the love that is necessary for success. And let that equipping not be in vain, but each one of us would surrender our mouths to you to speak words of love and that we would see the results of love manifest in and through our actions and throughout our lives. And let love have its wonderful, successful work in each one of us. Let it be evident in our households. Let it be evident in our places of work. Let it be evident in the congregation. Let it be evident in this community that you are love and that you've chosen to reveal your word and your works through your people. And let it be evident as your people commit to your word that love never fails. We bless your name. And we thank you for this promised success in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.